Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, Rod, we are back. I got my bone broth and my 49ers mug. I am ready to go. Right. This show is going to be a much more positive show. Not that we're negative uh, on this team. We're realistic on this team. But lots of 49er fans smiling after they beat the Rams again in regular season. That's eight times in a row for Kyle Shanahan. What is going on here? And the first question that I have for you. Why are the Rams the antidote for the 49ers? I don't know. We really, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because, I don't know, they they would seem to, to match up pretty well. And obviously McVay knows um, Kyle really well. They know each other really well. So you would think that any coaching situation would be a wash. And they've got Donald, the interior of our line is supposed to be a weakness. So you would think that they would match up well, but boy, you are right. They are usually what what the doctor ordered when things aren't going well. They cannot run the football. And I think that is uh, even Rams fans, right? Like you talk to Rams fans, Mm -hmm. they're like, We can't run the football so that, you know, we don't have a great offensive line. So we're struggling. Like, I don't think Rams fans went into this game thinking that things were going to be fantastic for them. They they know that the Niners have their number. uh, And I I just, you know, even going in there, they're just thinking like, man, like we need to do a lot of things right to beat this team. And so just kind of pulling back a little bit and looking more at at the at the bigger picture for, for both teams. This is a baseball analogy, but being a San Francisco Giants fan, Mike Kruko, who was one of their great pitchers in in the 80s, and and now he's been a broadcaster for probably like close to 30 years now for them. Mm -hmm. He always says that ownage is ownage. Sometimes a hitter owns a pitcher. Sometimes a pitcher owns a hitter. And in this scenario, outside of last year's uh, NFC Championship game, which... I think most 49er fans probably feel that they should have won for whatever reason, the 49ers uh, own the Rams right now. And I guess if, if I, if I sort of try and figure out what is the number one reason or, or whatever, and we're kind of generalizing here, but 
I feel this is this is not this is nothing that can be proven in data. I feel like Kyle really wants to show that he is uh he is the the guy in the division. He is the the coach in the division who everybody sort of copies from and all of his schemes and stuff. And for whatever reason, they just look so much more prepared offensively against the Rams than they do generally. Now, again, I don't have data to back that up, but the way they attack the Rams, it's almost like it's personal for Kyle. And I kind of wonder, you know, how much of that is if there's any truth to it, because he would probably say that there's no truth to it. But I just feel like he gets like really fired up to coach against McVay. Well, like you say, there's no way to prove that, but um, you, I always kind of get the feeling that it's, co- it's sort of like a college thing. Like, you know, yeah. like Michigan gets up for Michigan State or sure. Ohio State, and you can tell with the players, they, you, they just don't like each other. Um, and I, and, and I don't know what that, but I don't know what that is, but I've been here long enough. I have enough institutional knowledge to know that that is, it's a real thing um, that the Rams and the 49ers just don't like each other. And, and it, it plays out that way. I credit to McVay. He came out with a really good game plan. That quick game and screen game really worked in slowing down the, um, the pass rush and the ability to, diagnose and attempt to get it well not attempt but to get to them you know off that play action really in my opinion changed the second half yeah you know when they started being 100 if you can if you heat up stafford um it changes everything just like if he's able to just stand out back there and pick us apart like he did in the first half like i posted somewhere if he if we're not heating him up it's going to be a long day you know and um we were able to get pass rush in the second half and you know that's the result i mean it, it sounds simple it, you know you get pressure and you get them off the field and i know it's 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 simple it's not easy but we were able to do it in the second half and so Shelvin, who uh, is our is our good pal in the group, and who's been watching us, I think he's watched at least bits and pieces of it, of every episode. Thank you to you, Shelvin. Yes, I tried. I tried to get him to come on with us. We'll, we'll see. He he he's he's a little shy, I think, to to come on with us. But maybe someday we'll we'll get him on. Uh, hey, but come Shelvin, on in. the water's fine. <laughs> Shelvin, all he all he commented was was Kyle, and it's kind of you know my bigger picture about this game is. I think a lot of uh, a lot of fans, you could sense there was a little bit of a frustration during that first half. And I think based off of how they came out in the second half, the adjustments that they made and, you know, you can say a lot of good things about Kyle, but I think most people believe his first half is usually better than his second half. Like, you know, some coaches adjust to the 49ers before the 49ers adjust to them. Kyle he pitched a shutout in this second half. They outscored the Rams 31 to zero in this second half. So I think it is time. And I wish I could do the Birdman squeak here. It's time to put some respect on Kyle's name for this game because we've been down on him. Not necessarily you. I think you're pretty level about Kyle, 
but a lot of fans have been down on Kyle for these last two weeks, and he came back with a vengeance this week in the second half. I just, you know, I just have never really seen, you know, I'm no expert, and we we never uh, pretend to be, but I've been around a lot of football teams, especially at lower levels, and I've seen what bad play calling is. And in my opinion, the the um and you don't you don't really see that at the pro level but at the lower levels the telltale sign of bad play calling is when the play is um executed the way it's supposed to be executed and it still doesn't work <laughs> you know what i usually see with his calls is that there's a breakdown in two or three places and therefore it doesn't work so i mean i don't know if, if I don't know how you can assign. I fundamentally believe that at the pro level, it's the Jims and Joes, not the X's and O's. And if those dudes execute the play the way it's designed, they work. And if they get their ass kicked, they don't. <laughs> you know, so that's what I see. But apparently, a lot of other people feel differently. Can, and, can and I'm ca- open can to I, that. Can I counter that slightly? And, and this is sure. not a debate in any way but i think the counter is sometimes i think the way that i see it is we're very like when we see jimmy we think maybe glass half full and kyle may think or we think glass half empty kyle may think glass half full and sometimes i feel like jimmy gets put into situations that he is just not good at when Jimmy gets into third and long with the with the offensive line that we have that's kind of like a uh-oh down right like there was a moment in the in the game or it's in the first half he pumps and I immediately went uh-oh because when he pumps that means he's scurrying he's uh anxious uh he's gonna need to be urgent in a moment and thankfully I think it was Jalen Ramsey dropped an interception that was like mm-hmm. thrown right to him. Yeah. So in when, when the Niners are playing good football, it's run the ball second and five, third and short. And they're great when they can do that. But sometimes Kyle will take some chances and put Jimmy in these awkward scenarios. And then Jimmy probably not going to make a play. And so that's where I see sometimes where, you know, maybe he's uh, a little bit too glass half full, but then again, you know, if if you want to win these games, you have to make these big plays. Uh, the, I guess the the safety valve for this entire situation is who they just traded for because mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey was Jimmy's checkdown on just about every play, and it's one thing to check down to a Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, or even you you know uh, last year they tried to make. Uh, hasty uh you know that back but it's a whole different thing to check down to McCaffrey and man he saved their butts on a couple of those drives today with just that boost with just a cut turning something turning nothing into something like it was amazing watching some of that today he is a playmaker two things i want to just kind of circle back to what you said and that's why i Really, really like doing this with you, Gigi, because you hit on the counter to my argument. 
You're the only person <laughs> as I as I, I have been waiting for it. I go into these groups looking for um great debate. Yeah. And you hit on it 100 percent That is the counter. The counter is sometimes maybe Kyle has too much faith yeah. in Jimmy and his guys. His he just his ability, him. right? Like what what is Jimmy? And sometimes Kyle thinks Jimmy is more than he po- probably can be in that situation. That Them and also his offensive line. True. He puts them in situations where, look, you guys need to go out. I'm going to call this play, and you guys need to go out here and make me right. And um, and sometimes maybe he's and, – and you know what? Players – I was thinking about this while I was playing golf this week. Players are You're playing new. a lot of golf, by the way. I've been yeah. watching your Facebook. You you've been getting you've been getting in some uh Michael Jordan holes this week. <laughs> a lot, yeah. <laughs> but um pl- and you players are never gonna say, Hey man, we probably can't do this. They're always gonna believe, well, hell yeah. Fourth, I mean third and four power, left left side power, let's go. You know, and maybe sometimes, you know. That's not the play. Just lining up. We're just going to line up, blow these dudes three yards off the ball, get nine, and go home. Well, those other guys get paid too. And sometimes, you know, it's just not that easy. It's on paper or on the whiteboard. Yeah. That's really simple. But it's, you know, in practice, it's not always that easy. So, yes, you're right. Maybe sometimes in his play calling, he just has too much confidence in his guys which again i have a hard time um criticizing a coach for if you want to if you if if you're going to go down failing because you believe a little bit too much in your guys i you know i don't know but you know again jimmy is who he is and putting him in situations where he's going to be the one to bail us out probably isn't um it, it, it's asking a lot of him. Yeah. He played. I want to be the. I want to say it, and I'll probably say it three or four times today. He played great today. He was. He was really good. There were. I'm not even gonna say that. I'm not gonna say he played great. <laughs> he, <laughs> he played great. No, um, no buts here for Jimmy. We're just no, not today. Up. Not today. Not today. He was. He was really good. He was really good. N- not to say that. Debo not playing is ever good. Mm-hmm. Debo is the especially the, against the Rams. Debo is the Ginsu knife of, of this offense. He is the do everything. Yeah, especially against the Rams. But him not being here, it sort of made Jimmy really trust Brandon Ayuk, and they had a great rhythm going today. Man, those throws and those catches, like. Ayuk was catching the ball in stride and cutting like a half of a second after he caught that football. I thought he looked fantastic today. And he really, gets, ag- I'm sorry. Well, he gets loose on on the the trick play where where CMC throws that nice little deep ball to him. And I made a joke that you know we're I'll repeat the joke, but then say we're not cutting down Jimmy today. I said you know he he threw a better deep ball than Jimmy, but then Jimmy had a nice deep ball to to, to Dwelly as well. So mm-hmm. he he got me back for that one, but. Uh, he gets loose on that play. He, he's just making some really nice catches. Jimmy's putting it right on his hip, and they're just going. 
I thought that was uh, maybe even an underrated part of the game today was how good he and Ayuk were uh, were in rhythm. And Ayuk, you know, like you said, just really confident catching the ball and, you know, catching it and looking to make a play. He wasn't just, you know, out there trying to accept. He he looked like he was trying to do his Debo impression yeah. of yeah. getting the ball and, um, you know, trying to make a play. With, uh, CMC is amazing. I'll say that. Full stop. Amazing. But what I found myself daydreaming about as as the as the day went on is what it it will be like fully formed with him and Debo out there with two and and with Iuk today you add him third and um (laughs) (laughs) absolutely for the the podcast people listening uh Shelvin to, told Rod told Rod to watch them squirrels because of all that golf. So that was what the laugh was. Well, about. no, the, the squirrel took my cookies. Yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> it took the cookie. Um, but yeah, with you know, we really have a bunch of playmakers out there, you know, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, CMC. It it's just it really, you know, we haven't had a playmaker like, you know, no disrespect to, you know. Eli Mitchell, but um, since Mostert really like CMC, really he really has juice when he gets the ball, and every time he gets the ball, you ex- you know it's almost like you expect a big play, you expect something to happen, um, and he delivers most of the time. So let's actually let's actually lean a little bit towards him because he had twenty six overall touches, he had eighteen carries. Uh, I believe he had eight. Is it eight catches that he had? Eight catches for fifty-five yards. No, actually, we d- does he get? D- does it count for a touch for his throw as well? I like, think so. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So twenty-seven touches for this guy, and I imagine a big part of the game plan was him sort of being Debo and the running back at the same time. Uh, when when Debo does come back, do you think the Niners cut back a little bit on McCaffrey's usage? Because we made this we made this statement when the 49ers beat the Panthers, they couldn't do anything except give him the ball if they wanted to get positive yardage. Yep. And he was taking hits. He's getting hit by linemen. He's getting hit in the backfield and and trying to break away and then getting hit by another big dude. And so I don't think uh, he took he took one hit that I that was that was tough the the one where he uh he dropped the the ball and we we initially thought it was a fumble mm-hmm. but I think he comes out of the game unscathed I, I I will say because of how valuable he now is to this offense I I was kind of going like oh maybe go out of bounds like don't like there's three guys mm-hmm. who who want to light you up and he even got pushed out of bounds two or three times mm-hmm. and they finally called it the, the at the end of the game near the end of the game Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine when Debo comes back, they do a little bit more, a little bit less of Christian, a little bit more Debo because my worry, and this is, this is what my worry is ultimately, uh, Jimmy has a safety valve. And if Jimmy doesn't see that first receiver open, he knows Christian's going to be open. And I, my worry is, is that they're going to rely on him a little bit too much because of that. And so I hope that they can sort of figure out how to lessen his usage 
and not drive him into the ground like is what Carolina did. Well, I would hope that um, I I don't have the number in front of it. I be, it, I thought I believe that when I looked it up, he was averaging somewhere north of thirty touches with the Panthers. Um, and I would hope, like you, that twenty five is like the max here that I think that's a, that's, that's a, that's a good number. And with Debo back, I would think that between, um, with between him, Debo Mitchell will be back, um, after the bye. Yes. I that, um, 25, you know, 20 to 25 should be, you know, a doable number. Yeah. I really liked what we saw today with, him and Wilson in the backfield. I again, I I I was just really as the game went on, just thinking about what this could look like with him and Mitchell back there, with him and Debo back there, um, with Mitchell, CMC, and Debo all on the field at the same time. You know, you really, really have a lot of playmakers. There was no Jennings today. Yes. Um, no juice today. No juice. So, I mean, yeah, we we really at this point have an embarrassment of riches. And ultimately, that should make Jimmy's job a little bit easier, uh, as we saw. And, you know, part of that is the, the safety valve that I keep mentioning. Uh, but you're right in that no Jennings, uh, they didn't. They only threw to. Uh, they only completed passes. We're talking to wide receivers. Uh, I guess we're, if if we're counting Ray Ray as mm-hmm. as a wide receiver, two wide receivers made catches today. So that means you know Willie Sneed was was lined up a few times. He didn't have any catches. Uh, Dwelly had the one long one for fifty six yards. Uh, Kittle was three for thirty nine, um, and uh, Wilson uh, two for twenty one. And then Tyler Croft had had a one for six. So without the wideouts, they they just <laughs> they just went to tight ends and, and running they, backs. Essentially, they, they leaned heavy a lot of three tight end sets. Um, with and I think that had a lot to do also with just trying the way they were deploying them. Were trying to help out the the line, and you know there would be times when there would only be one actually one tight end that would go out into the routes and then the other two were just kind of in there trying to fortify um the blocking but yeah i i i think that um you know kyle's gonna have a a a week off to kind of figure out how to get everybody involved and i think it'll be exciting moving into the second half to see what we're able to do. And if Jimmy um, Olsen pointed out on several occasions where Jimmy did a real good job of kind of going through his progression and Mm -hmm. wasn't being one read Jimmy like he has been. But again, there are times when he clearly knows exactly where he's going with the ball and he rips it and and makes, makes a good throw. The problem is if that one read is not there, then what you know his ability to you know he starts to you know kind of we really don't want jimmy back there with the ball in his hands 
patting it, patting it and um <laughs> shuffling his feet. I mean, it's, fake. no, 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 no. That, 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 it just never ends well. It rarely ends well. Um, so if that's what he needs to do to be more decisive is to, to know where he's going with it, then, you know, you, you have to lean into that. But we saw today on the several occasions where he did kind of scan the field, he was able to take advantage of um, opportunities that um, might not have presented themselves if he, if he didn't wait and allow them to develop. I'm not saying Aaron Donald was not a force because he's a force just by lining up. Yep. Uh, he didn't have any sacks. He, I, he got a couple pressures in there. Uh, Leonard Floyd ended up with two sacks, and then Greg Gaines had one. Those sacks sort of came when it wasn't the worst times for those mm-hmm. sacks to happen. Jimmy didn't fumble. He just kind of you know, one of those sacks. I think he got his face mask pulled as he well. He did. They did Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the offensive line from that perspective, giving up three sacks isn't great. But mm-hmm. my worry was that. Aaron Donald w- was going to be breakdancing on us like a uh, turbo and ozone in the backfield. And and he wasn't. And I thought they did a really good job on him. Burford had that one blow by where he just flat missed Donald. Well, didn't he not even miss him? He just, you know, he was not, he was out of position and was, I don't know what happened, but you know, he just let, let the free rusher go. And then, you know, other than that, you know, they did a really good job um, Him between him and um, Brunskill. I think it's really interesting that they are, you know, rotating Burford and Brunskill in there um, at the right guard position. That That's, you know, you don't see that a lot. Um, but, you know, Olsen said that, you know, sometimes that it's best that, you know, you get a guy in there who's only playing, that he's more effective playing 75% of the snaps um, rather than 100%. And maybe that's the case with, um, with Burford because, you know, he's a rookie and that would be the only criticism I've had of him. Cause when I go back and watch him, you can, the talent is obvious. He, yeah. he is obviously a player, but he is up and down. He makes mistakes and, you know, that last game against the Rams is a perfect example. I, I can't imagine what the example is in real life that we deal with in work where the first time, the first time facing somebody like Aaron Donald in real life, I mean, it's gotta be (laughs) pretty daunting. I mean, you know, you, because, you know, even on our team, as good as our defense is, we don't really have anybody on the inside that really can give you a look or simulate what, that, you know, obviously Nick does that for our tackles. You know, they're not going to play anybody. They're not going to play an end that's much better than Nick. So bring that bring, gives, uh, bring BY uh, out of retirement. Right, maybe. exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't think that there's anybody on our team that gives you a look for somebody like I don't I don't know how many people in the whole league yeah. are going to give you a look for Aaron Donald, but it's they to your point, they held up a lot better this time than they did last time. And that was one of the things, that was one of the keys 
I immediately thought when Alex Mack retired because he, in combination with the other guards, him and Lakin especially, you did a real good job against Donald in terms of double teaming him and not letting him get off. And that's not Brindle's strength. Brindle is not a real physical player. And um, he was kind of getting worked the last time, but they got it together this week and, and did a really good job. So that's my hope just in general is that um, as we move forward, the line just gets better and better and better. And by the end of the year, they're at least not a weakness, if not a strength. The Niners ended up uh, with 368 total yards Making really making the most out of out of their total yards, uh, you know, just by the score, you would think maybe they racked it up, but even a little bit more than that. But even more impressively, this defense, two hundred and twenty three total yards. Now we know the Rams were not going to run the ball. My, my, my buddy Brad, who who hosts Thompson to Clark with me, we were going to have him on, but he's, you know, he's got he's got two teenage girls, so they're Halloweening it up and stuff, so he wasn't able to come on. But he and I were texting back and forth during the game. And, you know, we were just talking about, you know, what what is the deal with the Rams right now? And he's like, you know, the offensive line is just terrible. They got their center back today. But even Greg Olson was like, yeah, it's not going to, you know, it's going to be helpful, but all of a sudden it's not going to change who they are. And they they started, they even started a, a, a new running back today, Rivers, who I believe was a practice squad guy. And when I asked him why, he's just like, they're a mash unit. Like tons of guys are hurt. That no one's stepping up. Uh, nobody is, is playing well. They cut Cam Akers. Did anybody pick up Cam Akers? By the way, that's crazy. I it, I don't. I'm not sure that they. I thought they were going to try to trade him. Maybe they didn't cut him. Maybe they just yeah. inactivated him. Yeah, yeah. They, I, they, it's possible that. Uh, okay, fifty-six stars rushing. So the story on Cam Akers is that um, they are looking to trade him. But if they cannot trade him by the Tuesday deadline, <laughs> then he will come back to the team. So he, yeah, he was inactive. Uh, I, I guess they're just they, there's just a uh, he, he's frustrated. Coaches are frustrated with him, so they just decided to agree to uh, figure out if they can do something by the trade deadline. Take a which, break, <laughs> which is not not great, but mm-hmm. you know, especially coming off of that Super Bowl, you think that Cam Akers would be hungry to you know, to show out and show who he really is, but that has not worked for them at all. But anyways, you know, Brad was just talking about how poor their offensive line was. And, you know, so this goes to my next point, which is what the hell happened to that screen game that was working so well? And why did they go away from it in the second half? I I imagine it's something that McVay saw that the 49ers were a little bit more prepared for, but still even mixing it up uh, uh, in smaller doses, was going to be better than that run game that they had. Or, I, you know, and again, I, especially from watching on TV, and honestly, it's really not my strength to be able, even when I go back to watch, I'm really just looking at individual players. I don't know enough about scheme to be able to see, well, Ryan's did this yes. to make that, you know, inaccessible i you know that's not a strength of mine um but i don't know if he just went away from it if the defense if they changed something that they were doing that that um made it not you know 
a viable option for them. I don't know, but um, they, they definitely did a better job of cleaning that up or whatever happened. They, they clearly, you know, went away from something that was working extremely well in the first half. Yeah, they were. It almost was like they took a little bit of that Kansas City Chiefs playbook and were like, we're going to use the pass to set up the run. But even in doing that, they couldn't run the football. So Uh-oh. it was just like, you know, we just have the only way that we're going to be able to gain any sort of yardage is in the passing game. And then in the second half, the Niners changed up their pass rush. You saw Fred Warner doing lots of different stuff to to get free. He had the big sack. He and Bosa were right there, and then Bosa got another one late in the game. Uh, but, you know, it's not like the Niners were blowing these guys off the line either uh, when when uh, when Stafford went back to pass. They were just shutting down the running game and just going like, okay, like, you know, it's third and long every single time. And the Rams were doing okay with that in the first half, those two long drives. But in the second half, they were also able to shut down the third and long stuff. And, you know, uh, this may be the first time in a very long time that I can remember. Cooper Cup only had eight catches, and I say only, and that's like a great day for like a lot of guys. But eight for 79, to me, means that they had him fairly bottled up compared mm-hmm. to what he usually produces against them. Absolutely. And in the second half, especially, I think he had one one catch in the second half. And again, it's just it really is just night and day with this team, if we can get pressure, and I mean, we weren't necessarily hitting them all the time in the second half, but we were heating them up. And it's just, it's this defense is predicated on pressure. And if we don't get it, we just look a whole lot different. And then, like you said, I think what it was is in the first half, they were getting, they were having those long drives because exactly um, because with the screen game and the quick passing game, there weren't, I don't have the stats in front of me, but they, there weren't a whole lot of third and longs. Um, You know, they, they had a lot of third and manageables, third and five, third and six, third and four. Um, And the stat was um, that they were worse than the league on, on third and seven plus. And they just didn't find themselves in that circumstance in the first half. But then in the second half, they did, and they just, you know, they were who they are. So I'm glad that we, you know, I wish we had them two or three more times this season. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a real it's, it's a really good feeling to get this win going into the bye, and um, hopefully we can come out healthy and you know, and completely you know fresh going into the second half of the season. 2.7 yards per carry by the Rams uh, all game long for their run game. Uh, the one play, so I feel like, <clears throat> and and I think Erin Andrews mentioned it when she was, uh, they had her for a hit, and she said, talking to Fred Warner, we just need to get our swagger back. And like, to me, that's like, Okay, but I want to hear what you're going to do. Like, you know, what what is the the thing that you're going to do? But in turn, I mean, that's kind of what it was. And I think it started with that goal line stand where they still gave up the touchdown. But they 
there was a penalty that they got called for. So the ball got put on the one. They're still stopping these guys. And if Hufunga on the rollout, the one, the, the Stafford touchdown run, they only, they had one receiver go out, which was the running back. They had him covered cup ran cup was on the other side and ran all the way over. He was covered. Hufunga was stuck in no man's land. He was like right in the middle. And all he had to do was know that his back was covered and he would have stopped Stafford. If they would have stopped Stafford on that play right there, I think, you know, this game would have been over by even sooner than it was. But that was like one small error that kept the Rams in the game, gave them the lead. But I think that was really the turning point was that goal line stand where they were pushing these guys around and they were the more aggressive team. They were the more physical team. And you could see it. Stafford made a great play. I still think we should have stopped it, but that's where I think the game got turned for the defense because that they just seemed so dialed in to that goal line stand, and they were playing really well pretty much from that point on through the rest of the game. You are, of course, right that swagger in and of itself doesn't win football games. You got to go out there and execute, but... I remember this, you know, the several days I was down there this offseason, um, that was something that was really noticeable to me was they, they just really had, I mean, they had a swagger about them. They were, you know, Mooney Ward really had the DBs chirping and Warner I, I didn't know he was the heel, but he's out there and he's hitting dudes and he's talking trash. And, you know, again, there were times out there that um, the offense just couldn't get anything accomplished because the defense was just so aggressive. I mean, we're not we're in shells, so they're not supposed to be hitting, but they are thumping hard. And it, it was just it was it was really noticeable. And the last two weeks, again, Atlanta, I kind of throw that game out there out down seven starters. And I mean it's just different. But Atlanta's but, in first place, by the way. I know, that? right? Crazy. <laughs> but you know, it's funny, the league is crazy because <laughs> I watched a bit of that game and Carolina looked like a competent outfit today. <laughs> you know, so you just never know. But um Today they were kind of flying around and um, hitting and talking trash, and I think that's where we are best is when we are playing with that kind of swagger. You kind of hope we can figure out the discipline discipline part, um, and while while um, while um, Burke isn't necessarily as physical and the, the playmaker that um Greenlaw is, you know, Greenlaw, you know, you have to worry about the whole discipline yeah. part of things. He can you know, be he aggressive can, at some he can be overly aggressive sometimes. But he's a great player and obviously, you know, you take that um if the um flip side is the playmaking that he he brings and um so you take the good with the bad, but we have playmakers on defense that um really bring it, and we and we need that. We need that energy. We need that aggression. So 
yeah, that was it was good to see today. Like you said, the NFL is is kind of bizarro world at this point. And the Seahawks spanked the New York Giants today. The six and one New York Giants. Geno Smith, uh, they won that game fairly easily from from the box score. They are five and three. Niners have one more game against them. Uh, they have won the season series with the Rams, uh, so uh, they, they are four and uh, and four. Rams are are three and four, and we haven't played the Cardinals yet. Cardinals are three and five. We got two left with them. They're struggling. I I, I can't predict what the Niners are going to do because, like you said, that this this league has been kind of funky. But I feel more comfortable having to chase the Seahawks, knowing that we handled them pretty well during the first uh, the first matchup. And if we got to chase the Seahawks, uh, I, I, I'm okay with that uh, to win this division because I would rather do that than try and figure out these three wildcard spots with all of these teams just in the middle. Like, let's just go out and see if we can win this division and, and let everyone else worry about the wild card. Uh, you know, we're we're halfway. You know, the Niners are almost halfway. To, you know, seventeen game season. We're at we're at eight games. So we we kind of have to start thinking playoffs now, right? Because of of the muddledness of of, of with the wild card, there there's going to be like six or seven teams fighting for three spots. And I just I would just rather see them run chase down the Seahawks and maybe the the pumpkin. Uh, you know, tur- well, the 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 thing turns back into a pumpkin for them, but I, that that's kind of what's on my mind at this point. After the Niners looked really good today, two things on what you just said. I, you know, I don't really believe in jinxes. I talk about it being a jinx, especially for the Warriors. But um, <laughs> I really don't believe in them. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it. When I look at the remaining schedule. I don't, you know, obviously, am I predicting that we're going to go undefeated? Probably not. But um, I don't see much that I'm really concerned with. I think week by week, we should be able to handle all these teams. I have watched the Seahawks, and I must say, I have been impressed with what I've seen because I thought they were going to be one, they were going to be one of, the top three drafting teams um, come April. Um, so for them to be um, five and five and three, yeah, five and three and leading our division at this point is quite a bit of a shock. And Geno Smith has been a revelation. I still don't think they're very good. Um, I think it's, kind of like smoke and mirrors and i think we match up really good against them so i'm not really worried but then you look at the rest of our schedule man chargers cardinals twice the saints the dolphins the bucks who seem to be on the on the brink of falling apart the commanders the raiders not a lot of raiders got shut out today by They just aren't very good. Um, so again, I just I, I think the buy comes at a very good time. Um, if we can just particularly on the defensive line, if we can get 
Armstead and Kinlaw back and um, just get healthy. Obviously, Greenlaw, if we can just get these guys back and, you know, can just continue to gel on offense, I think we are in a really good position to first, like you said, win our division, which is, you know, that needs to be the focus because you don't really want to, like you said, be trying to deal with that wild card scenario. Although, honestly, I just don't think the NFC is weak, and I just don't think that there are eight teams out there that are better than us. The the problem with that, though, is some of these teams are going to beat up on these bad teams and all of a sudden have, like, a really good record. Like, you know, th- there's some funky records going on in the in the, N- the NFC East. Every team is at 500 in, in the NFC East. Um, in, in, in the North, Minnesota six and one and th- th- their plus their, their net points are plus 29. So they're not winning these games going away. They're, they're right. winning close games. The Falcons, they're four and four. The Bucks are three and five. The Saints are three and five. So I just, I just worry about tiebreakers and letting the computers decide who the better team is or who qualifies. Let's just go out and win the NFC West. Let yep. everything else take care of itself. And then we don't have to worry about that. But uh, one thing I was going to say is the the time, the, the next time we play Seattle is a Thursday night game, December the 15th. Seattle plays Carolina on that Sunday. The Niners play the Buccaneers on that Sunday. So it's going to be a short, short week for both teams going into that game, which, you know, if both teams can are, are playing well, that could be a really big, uh, b- big deal as far as the division is concerned. Do you have the schedule up? I do. Do um, is Seattle at home or on the road that Sunday? Seattle is. I know we're at home. Yes, Seattle is at home as well. Okay, okay. So they're going to have two games, two home games in a row. So that that I guess that's advantage Seattle. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. That is kind of a, a, um, scheduling disadvantage for the Niners, but, um, and then I don't, we really don't know how this whole, um, New Mexico city thing is going to affect them. That's, it's kind of unfortunate that we, you know, I would have thought we would have maybe had a buy after that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, yeah, as opposed to two weeks before that. But that, so that's an interesting scheduling quirk. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. We can just handle our business, and it would be great if we could just go undefeated in the division, and um, just go ahead and close it out and and win the division going away, and then we don't have to worry about like you say, the computers and tiebreakers and all the rest of it. Yeah, the NFL tiebreaker system is gnarly, man. There's so many things involved in that. Mm. All right, I think this one is pretty easy. At least it's easy for me. Maybe you have a different thought, but... Not at all. I think it's got to go to CMC, right? Like, Absolutely. What what a fantastic game by that dude. Absolutely. There was a moment there early in the game where... Um, well, because he's the he's the player of the game. But then, like I say, I always do. I'm looking for offense and defense, and then it kind of 
filters up into the player of the game. And for a minute there, it looked like, you know, Samson Epicom was, he was, you know, even ahead of Nick in terms of um, he made like two or three plays like really early in the game um, that got us off to, a, a, you know, kind of a good start defensively. And then Nick kind of came on late. Um, so those were kind of my two candidates for defense, but then offensively, you know, kind of an honorable mention to Brandon IU, but it was clearly CMC. Uh, I, I mean, we, we could say something good about, about, about Jimmy, uh, Shelvin wants to, to give another shout out to Kyle. Kyle can't actually win player of the game, but he did mm-hmm. coach his, his rear end off today. And that's what uh, you said he needed to do. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, on the defense, is, is is there anybody who, if we wanted to give out a defensive player of the game, who you think would fit that bill? For, um, uh, for I, it, I think it's just another one of those games where it's Nick is our he's our um, he's our Steph in that he just he's the the straw that stirs the drink, and when he gets going. It's, you know, it just, it makes it easier for everybody to eat. And, you know, he heated up there in the second half and was getting pressures. And, well, did he, would he get two sacks? Um, he got one. Got one. Uh, Fred Warner got the other. And he dude, got that's right. two, two other QB hits. That's right. So, yeah, I'm going to go Nick. I would probably lean Fred Warner. He did have uh, overall twelve tackles. He did have the the one sack. Uh, he he looked he looked pretty fired up today. He looked like he wanted to be in the mix, and he knew that you know as a leader in the defense and the leader of that swag. We remember hearing the stories, like you said, in the uh, before the season even started, where he and Ayuk were going at it, right? Like they were mm-hmm. chomping at each other. And that was a thing where he's like, no, nope, we just want to make this dude tougher. He's going to be great. We want him to have a good season. So that is uh that, that that's a, that's a, a big thing. And I think him really understanding how, you know, how, how, how much of a leader he is. I think that, that, that may be a small thing coming out of today. I may be overreading that as well, but I like seeing him just uh, being near the ball all the time today. I think, uh, you know, that's when he's at his best, obviously. Absolutely. I'm not reinventing or inventing any any information here. Okay, so last thing for us is uh, it's a bye week. Get healthy. Uh, (laughs) When we saw the inactive list today, man, there were some good players on that inactive list. Debo, Armstead. Uh, Verrett is still inactive, even though they took him off the the pup. So he's going to be on this roster, and that's that's good for the depth uh, in the in the secondary. We'll see how truly how healthy he is because it seems like maybe there was a possibility that they were going to have to shut him down, but they didn't. But yeah, like let's get everybody healthy. Elijah Mitchell. It sounds like he may be available in the next one or two games. Like. Nobody is completely healthy in the NFL after week one. Like that's Absolutely. just the, that's just the game. But man, it would be fun to see how they utilize all of the weapons when you bring back a Debo, when Elijah Mitchell is healthy, when Jeff Wilson truly is the short yardage back. Like the just having all of those things. You know, this is how this is how Kyle 
drew it up, except I don't think he knew he was going to have Christian McCaffrey, right? But he, mm-hmm. everything that he drew up for, for the, the plays this year and for the, what they wanted to do was built on this idea that they were going to have some weapons. So I'm interested to see how it works. And I think Jimmy should be better if we saw, if, if what we saw today is more the, the kind of Jimmy that we're going to see, I think it's, I think it's good. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what this team looks like when they are healthier than they have been. I, you know, I understand that, you know, we kind of talk because we're fans and, you know, I understand that if a guy is healthy, if he's clear, you play him. But there's a part of me just to just wish if you could just stash for <laughs> and have him ready to just sprint yeah. for like the last three or four games of the season and just give us all you've got you know, for a playoff run, that would be awesome. Because I, I'd hate to see him come back in like week 14 and give us two good games and then be done. Yeah. Um, but if he's cleared, I guess, and he's ready to go, and he says he's ready to go, you got to play him. Um, but we've seen there's there's the, the dichotomy. Five games, I mean, 19 games in five years is what it is. But during those 13 games, um, in 19, he was really good. He's a top-of-the-league type corner. So hopefully he's healthy enough to get back to that. But, I mean, the thing of it is it's hard to get back to that level in games in practice. So he's got to play. He's got to play himself back into that level. So... Well, we'll see. I mean, he would be a great addition. Nobody, very few teams are adding that quality of a corner midseason. Yep. Um, so it would be good for him. So if we get healthy, we all know we're we're one of the most talented teams in the league. And if we can get healthy and gel, you know, we're going to be, you know, a force. Period. So we'll see. I'm excited. Yeah, no, I am too. Yeah, this is not like the NBA where you can kind of, you know, put a guy on the end of the bench and and wait for him to, you know, to play in the playoffs or whatever. Like Andre Iguodala for the Warriors, like exactly. He's just, you know, he's exactly. just that's what he's here for. Is he's yeah. here for? He's here for June. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's just getting back in shape. He didn't mm-hmm. know if he's going to come back. He's mentoring these young guys, and that's where his value is. And then you know, when we do get to the playoffs, then you have somebody on the court who is uh, is going to to make the the right decisions and, and, and then like i say he can sprint he can he he can give us you know you know that andre can give us eight to ten hard minutes and you know be an effective player yeah. um in those minutes you know making good decisions getting stops and all that but like you say football is a little different yes and yeah you you don't have 82 games or even 162 games in, in baseball you got 17 mm-hmm. and each of these 17 games are so valuable to your bottom line and to your playoff situation. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's today was fun. Uh, I'm glad that they played well. Uh, I, I, I was, I, w- I was a little worried at, at how, um, the Rams were, were, were picking up stuff in the first half. But again, when you saw that, that defensive stand, that goal line stand, and I was like, okay, these guys are pumped. They're just waiting to make a play. And in the second half, they they really played. You know that that that's probably the 
the best football that they played all season was that second half so far. So, and then you know, again, it's not a criticism. I'm going to preface it by saying that, but you know, that it's that's just the way of things with this team. You know, you're kind of always, always in the back of your head. When are the Jimmy throws going to show up? You know, when when is the bottom going to drop out? But it didn't happen today, and and you know that's great, but. It it's I can't be the only one for whom it's never a comfortable watch. No, it's always kind of just kind of scared that um things are kind of scared as a is a um is is a bit strong, but just just a little nervous that um you know can we sustain this? There there is an impending doom on certain situations oh. <laughs> where you're where where I'm almost like I've seen this before. I can yeah. tell the future. And please don't <laughs> do what I'm thinking is going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay. So, so we'll end with this because my buddy, Brad, who's, who we're, we're actually uh, not recording Thompson to Clark tomorrow because of Halloween. We're going to record it on Tuesday. So we'll be back Tuesday with a look at the first three games of the world series. And, and cause not really too much going on in giants world right now, but uh, he says, and, and he has this in a text. He says, you talk about Jimmy and you talk about being frustrated with him. Whenever he plays us, he's Joe Montana. That's what he said to me. So Jimmy hat Jimmy has their number. Kyle has their number to a, a Los Angeles Rams fan whose team just won the Super Bowl. And he has, you know, Brad has seen other uh, Super Bowl uh, wins, you know, with the, with the, uh, what 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 do they used to call those uh, Rams teams with Kurt Warner? The uh, um, the greatest show on turf. Greatest show on turf. Marshall Falk, uh, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, all those guys. He's he's a a fan of those teams, and he said Jimmy looks like Joe Montana every time that they face him. So that's that's high praise. Yeah. Uh, for 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 Jimmy and to us, we don't see that version because we see multiple versions. But to the Rams fan, he sees Jimmy always playing his best. <laughs> against the yeah. Rams. What but, okay. I, you know, yeah. No, no, Jimmy, no Jimmy slander today. I was no going to say slander. something, but no Jimmy <laughs> slander today. Uh, Great okay, job, so, Jimmy. So next week, I think we, there's no game, but I think we're going to try and get back on Sunday and do a little bit of a, you know, a sort of first half in, in review and look ahead to the schedule for the second half. And maybe we'll throw... I, I, I want to answer this question and maybe we'll throw this in the chat uh, in our Facebook group and just ask people what their thoughts. What is your worst fear about this team as well as what are you excited for about this team and about this second half? So that, that might be a good way to get some, some, uh, some thoughts going and, and we'll, we'll try and answer both of those questions and then look at uh, where we're going for the rest of the season. So uh, we are uh, we are good to go here. Thankfully, Niners got a really strong win. That was a fun game to watch, and I don't think there are any 49ers fans today who are unhappy about the outcome. So that's a good thing. Even going into the bye after eight, I mean four and four, four that's, and four. You know, better than last year. Better than last year, and um, you know, sitting 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 in a good position, sitting in a good position. I I'm. After all that we've gone through with, you know, morning trade and yeah. mistakes and all of that, 
for us to be even after eight, I mean, I mean, it's not the best we could have hoped for, but you know, it's a good, I think we're in a good spot. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we are done here. We will be back next week uh, for a non post game recap, but we will still be back and hopefully people will tune in and uh, check us out. But for, Rod, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.